Hi there. This is Ben Zorns with Ellerslie Mission Society. Share in the testimonies from our week of revival and renewal during our first semester of Ellerslie Semester Training. More information regarding Ellerslie can be found on our website, www.ellerslie.com. May God move mightily in you as you listen. God's richest blessings to you. This has been a very, very special week here. And in and amongst the student body here at Ellerslie, we have walked through something that is somewhat difficult to put words to. But here we are in the height of it still, and you happen to join us today. And so what I want to do is I want to sort of give you a introduction or a lead-in to where we're at so that you can enjoy the fruits of it in your own life. It has been absolutely profound. And not without battle, not without uh, raising the ire of all hell itself, but it has been a beautiful process that we are not done with by any means. On Tuesday, there was a very clear sense of battle in, in my life as an individual. I have a fairly strong sense of the position I have in Christ. I know that that's only going to increase, but I know where I stand in Christ, and I know the authority that is vested in his name. And it's fairly hard to shove me over as a result. I know who Jesus is, and I know what Jesus Christ came to do, and I know what he has accomplished, and I know what life is when you're clothed in him. And I know, last week we talked about the boots of iron and brass, the feet of Jesus Christ. They bring the gospel of peace. In other words, they remove every bit of enemy opposition in the inner man. There is nothing allowed to stay. There is no harassment in the inner man. There is a purity. There is a life. There is a love. And there is a peace. Peace meaning the removal of all enemy faction. And many of us have lived our Christian lives with the presence of enemy faction under the banner of Jesus Christ. And what we saw this week was a step into the strength of Jesus Christ to say, I trust you that you are able to wrap yourself around me. The reason Jesus cloaks us in himself is so that he could take us in to the Holy of Holies, the throne room of grace, where there is a treasure chest. And in that treasure chest is everything he has purchased on the cross because he purchased more than just the cloak, which is forgiveness, and the cleansing of sin. He purchased something for us, and that is the life of God himself to not just have us in him, but to have him in us. There's a, there's a dimension to the Christian life which must be enlarged and understood within the church of Jesus Christ today. Most of us aren't even standing in the cloak. So the enemy has a heyday with us. I can't tell you how many students. We, we're a pretty strong group here of students. Okay, so you take these students from their individual spots around the country and around the world, and they're leaders. 
They're leaders in the church, and then they're all coming together here. And I tell you what, this group understands the harassment of the enemy and the amount of diminishment that the enemy is bringing, saying, I have a right to hold this against you. Remember what you did in your past? Well, there's certain things. You, you've lived a Christian life, and yeah, certain things got wiped away, but this can't. This is something you did knowing that you shouldn't do, even after you came to Jesus Christ. That cannot be removed. And it's a voice of condemnation that literally holds you down and hinders you from being able to enter into intimacy with Jesus. And it's based on something that is true. And that is that you did perform that. You did do that. But I want to reintroduce you. It's not that I haven't talked about this at Ellerslie. This is like, in this church, we have talked about this over and over and over again. But what I realized in talking to the students this week is that you can talk about things. But when that voice is still turned up to full volume within your inner man, that voice of accusation and condemnation, you can hear it and it bounces right off. And it's like, well, that's for someone else. But it never goes in and roots it out and pulls it out like a surgical operation. The power of Jesus Christ, the authority that is vested in the name of Jesus Christ, reaches in, takes that voice by the neck, squeezes it, throws it out, and says, no more. There is that now no more condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. When you enter into Jesus Christ, that voice has no grounds against you. You know, there's only one that can condemn. And it's not Satan. There is only one that can condemn, and it's your God, the Almighty Judge. He is the only one that can condemn. And it says in Scripture that that isn't what his job description is. His job description is to be your advocate. Condemnation comes when you refuse your advocate, when you refuse to take the cloak that he purchased for you on the cross. So I do not care what you have done as an individual that the enemy is holding over you because they can be very petty things. And it can be as petty as how you handled your finances. And there's one thing that God can't remove because you have to pay the full weight of responsibility for what you did. There is only one that can pay the weight of responsibility, that can pay the price, and that is Jesus Christ. And the same truth that brought you into the kingdom is the same truth that you need now. And that is you need the cloak of Jesus Christ wrapped around you because he wants you in his throne room of grace. And there's only one way to access it because it's impossible to pay your way in through good works. You cannot muster up the discipline of soul, the purity of soul, the love. You cannot muster up the discipline of the life and spend enough time in prayer and scripture to earn your way in. And so the problem that most of us as Christians face is we put on the cloak of Jesus Christ And then through a series of events, we find that we've shed the cloak of Jesus Christ and we've hung it up. And now we're like, God, I know you've given me so much. You've let me see it. Now I need to somehow earn my way back to that cloak and somehow show you that I'm worthy of that cloak. You were never worthy of that cloak. These are just facts I'm giving you. You were never worthy of that cloak. And by the way, the Christian life is never enough to satisfy the just requirements, the holy requirements of the presence of God. It will never be enough. There is only one life that can do it, and that is God himself. And that is why you must not just start in the cloak to enter into his presence. But you cling to this cloak for the rest of your life. Underneath the cloak, you know what God is doing? He is shaping you into the image of the Son. 
But then it's a maturing process. And if you look in and take off the cloak and say, I think I have enough now, you will fail in your entry into the king, king's presence. You will not have what it takes. So no matter what you have gone through, there is one solution, and that is Jesus Christ. And how many Christians are weighed down under the, the burden of what the enemy is railing against them with, and the cloak is sitting right there, the purchase of the cross. But we feel that we have spurned the blood of the covenant because we have chosen to do something that we knew we shouldn't do even after we've had that cloak. What do we do now? Because there's no more sacrifice that can be made. There's no more hope. That's what the enemy is telling you. You want to understand a spirit understanding of that scripture? There is one sacrifice. And if you reject that sacrifice, it's this blood of Jesus. If you reject it and you say, no, I need to go somewhere else to find something different, which is the enemy's number one agenda for you, look somewhere else because you can't have this anymore. And Jesus says, this is your answer. It was the answer in the beginning. It's the answer every day of your Christian life because there is imperfection underneath that cloak. So put back on the cloak. That is the secret to the triumphant Christian life as you walk every moment in that cloak. And if you ever find that you have shed it and you've put it off and God is revealing that there was sin here, the enemy then is holding it over you. Guilt and condemnation. When the enemy says you can no longer go back to that cloak, you have spurned it. That's what the cloak is for. What the enemy wants you to do is turn to another sacrifice. And God... In his word makes it clear, Jesus is your intercessor. He is your advocate. He is the strong man, and he was a strong man for you 2,000 years ago, and he ever liveth to be your intercessor, your strong man, the one fighting for your salvation. Because you don't have enough, he knows it. So I want you to freshly come to Jesus Christ and wrap yourself in his life. Because that is the avenue into his almighty presence. And in his almighty presence is the fullness of joy. In his almighty presence is pleasure forevermore. In his almighty presence is the spirit of God who enters in, the very life of Christ who enters in and changes this man, known as Eric Ludi and known as you, changes it to reveal to the heavenlies the nature and the character and the person of Jesus Christ. That is the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints of God. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is what the theme of this week was. On Tuesday, I was hit so hard by the enemy. I mean, it was cartoon in its, in its nature. It was so, five different angles. And I remember going out with Leslie for coffee that afternoon and I said, I feel that something important is happening because the enemy is overplaying his hand. Because this is so over-exaggerated. And I've been in spiritual battle for many, many years. This was very extreme, and my, my sight was blurry. And I was having a very difficult time seeing straight, but it's like I know something's going on. I can't, for the life of me, figure out what it is. Something's going on. That night when we were praying, I remember actually I got an email from Mel Mason, one of the students. And it basically was a plea. And it was saying, do you remember those times when we would come to your house, Eric, and we'd have weekend retreats there, and we would pray into the night. And we would rally together as the church of God and stand. It's like, I need something like that. I'm hit, I've, I've reached the dark night of my soul. I know that God wants me to move forward. And I know he has something for me, but there's, there's a wall 
that is standing in between me and that. And I'm not sure what this wall is, but I know I must get through it, but I don't know how in my own strength to get through it. That is what the dark night of the soul is. There is nothing in you that can pull it off. When you see the high standard of the Christian life, you see the magnificence of it throughout the ages, whether it's in scripture or whether it's through church history. And you say, oh, I want to be like that. I want to be a demonstration of the life of Jesus Christ. And then you try and go after it. What do you find? You have nothing in you to perform it. You don't have what it takes. That's very frustrating because how did they do it then? How do, what's Paul talking about here? More than conquerors. He causes us to triumph in all things. This doesn't feel like triumph. So what is it? When you see the promised land, yet you're still standing in the wilderness. You see it. You can look across the River Jordan. You can, you're standing in Kadesh Barnea. You see it. You esteem it. You see even the fruit in it. You know what it should be, and you should be bearing that fruit too. But how do you get across the Jordan River? You can't. It's... How do you get your family across the Jordan River? How do you do this? God says, I've given you this land. I will drive them out from before you. You're like, yeah, God, but we still have one more problem. I can't get across this river. And I can't take down these enemies. There's 31 hostile empires over there. I can't do it. He says, you haven't yet realized. It's true, you can't. I can Take a step into the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant. I will part the waters. Watch. You take a step forward. When you are crossing the Red Sea, did you know that God parts it for you? And you walk across, but it's parted. That's a little easier. You have an enemy at your tail. You come scampering through the Red Sea into the wilderness. But when you get to the promised land, you reach the end of yourself. Because you realize, I I can't do this. God, could you part it? Could you, do, could you just blast away all our enemies? And he says, I will. But you must exert the authority that I've given you. Do you know what I did for you upon the cross? Do you understand this? More than head knowledge, are you putting your feet on the rock of reality that I have defeated your enemy? But, but they look very much alive right now, God. I have defeated them. And I want you to prove it in the natural realm by taking a step forward. You step out to meet me. And you allow me to demonstrate the authority that was purchased on the cross. We saw this all week long. That we must be groomed by the Spirit of God and truth and not by our feelings and our emotions and our past experiences. But if I step out, I don't, I don't feel like God will come through. What does God say? He promises to come through. He promises that he is a prayer-answering God. He promises to remove all enemy faction within you. He promises, and he cannot lie. I don't care what you feel. This is an issue of truth. And God is the one who spoke it. We stand on it. We root our, our feet into it. And that is what gives us strength to stand and to march forward. And to take down all the enemy strongholds in our own strength, In our own authority? Absolutely not. In the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Can't tell you how many times we saw over the past few days a saint of God that literally just rises up and believes and says, in the name of Jesus, this is no more. Out. 
It literally commands hell into its place. And guess what? It works. That's how it works. You must exert it. So many of us want to pray, God, help me. And he says, the help is already there. I've already given you. You just don't believe it. I want you to stand. Take that sword and just swing it. Swing it. It's all in my name. You will wield power. But you must believe that you are in Christ and that he has done this work for you. That you have everything that is needed to now march. Most of us are wanting the waters to part and then we'll walk. Could you, could you tear down Jericho and, and then I'll believe? He says, believe me now because I said it. I promised you and I cannot lie. Take me at my word and march. So that night, on Tuesday night, Leslie and I are praying and I tell you what, I don't know how to describe it. What I, one thing I can say is heaven entered into Eric Ludi at a whole nother level. And I was trembling for the reality. I knew and I could see what was going to happen. And I knew exactly what the enemy was doing. He was throwing up dust because God was going to come to Ellerslie the next day in a mighty and powerful way. See, God has already come to most of you in here. But I'm talking about something beyond that. I'm talking about God coming and literally taking a throne in our midst. Putting enemies down under his feet in front of us. Where we see it and we know it. So that next morning, what was it, 5.30 in the morning we met for prayer? And I actually felt sort of bad for you guys because you were trembling. I said, today is the day of visitation. It's the day of reckoning, I think is what I said, where we take the truth of Jesus Christ and we reckon it as true in our midst. God is going to do something today. I have no idea what it is, but he's going to do it today. In my journal that morning, I wrote that exact thing before I came for prayer. I knew that God was doing it. What we have seen unfold is something that he started. He initiated it. On Wednesday... There was a holy trembling in our midst. And I would say all day long, what would you say the theme was? Uh, Confession? Confession of sin. All day. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of sin uh, in the body of Christ. And we just had to shine lights. We had to allow the Spirit of God to come in and penetrate and say, this isn't correct. So we we had sin that was confessed publicly to the entirety of the group we had the guys split off and deal with certain things the girls split off and deal with things because there's certain things that are inappropriate to deal with in the entire body of christ but still must have light shown on them confession is merely an agreement with god and saying you see this god i know you do this is wrong this was not in accordance with your nature and your word and so i confess it and i lay it open before the heavenlies to say i was in error you weren't You are right. I am wrong. I confess in agreement with Scripture and with my Lord and His righteousness. That's what confession is. There's two different kinds of confession. There's confession of sin and there's confession of faith. And oftentimes, when you are not confessing sin, you do not confess faith. What do you believe? It's hard 
and you find yourself rather mealy-mouthed when it comes to, I have all authority in Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can stand against the Christ life maturing and growing and evidencing itself in me. God will purify his bride. He will cause me to stand in righteousness and holiness and enable me to live the impossible life. You know how hard it is to say that when you're living in sin? It's sort of hard to get up in front of an audience and say, fellow children of God, our God is almighty and powerful and he will deliver you when you are enslaved. This is why confession of sin is important because it opens up the avenue for confession of faith. And this is not just for the edification of believers. This is for the heavens. You were declaring, do you remember the book of Job? Satan comes in and he accuses. And you know who he was accusing? God. And he says, you aren't all you appear to be. You control your people. You give them what they want and that's why they serve you. But if you took that away, they would curse you. The gauntlet was thrown down. The nature of God was called into question. What was happening in the book of Job was a testimony to the heavenlies. And when all was stripped away and even Job's wife says, curse God and die. It says that Job fell to his face and worshipped God. And all heaven was silenced. All hell understood what was being said in that moment. God was true. And every voice that came against the nature of God was a liar. That's what was revealed. And you must reveal the same thing in your life. And so the confession of sin is to clear the name of God before the heavenlies. Because you are a Christian, yet you're living in defeat. You confess it before the heavenlies and you say, this isn't right. This isn't what God has done. This is what I have done. In my own strength, in my own frailty, I didn't turn to Jesus Christ. I didn't clothe myself in his life. I didn't clothe myself in his righteousness. But I attempted in my own strength. Or I literally perverted the truth of Jesus Christ in me for my own glory. You confess it and you make it right. And all heaven is shifted. You are shifted. The body of Christ is built up because they're hearing a testimony of truth and righteousness. So then what happened that day, and this was not expected, by the way, is I was talking about the fact that we we were dealing with the dimension of God coming into us. So we were saying the reason that we come into Christ and we clothe ourselves in his life, that's the principle of baptism. Baptism of a believer is exactly this. It is taking what God did on the cross and entering into it. Jesus Christ, it says in Romans 6 that when Christ died, we died in him. Well, that's a strange reality. You feel very much alive, don't you? It's because you haven't reckoned it as a fact in your life. You are treating your feelings as more valid than the fact of Scripture. But God says that you died 2,000 years ago in him. You must now reckon it, which is an accounting term for treating it as if it is a fact. You must reckon it as a fact in your life. You died with him, and now your old man, as it says in Romans 6, is dead. So that the new man can live. Who is the new man? Jesus Christ. You see, there is a battle within your existence. You want to live. But for you truly to live, you must die. He's already done the work for that death. But you must enter into it. Baptism is a statement of stepping in to the life of Christ. And saying, I identify with his death. That death was my death. Water is symbolic of two very critical things. One is death and burial. And so when you enter into that water and you go under, it is is saying, I have entered into Christ's death. 
And then when you come back out, I am entering into his life. His life will become my life. And it is also a symbol of purification and cleansing. A washing. Water washes. It cleans. It cleans your conscience so the enemy has nothing against you anymore. It purges you of everything that the enemy has always tried to lever against you. No more. You are washed. And that cleansing is the same cleansing that you will now live in. You know, Paul, when it sounds like this is giving a license to sin, you can just walk around in the cloak of Jesus and do whatever you want. Because it always covers. Paul says, okay, if when sin is there, you know, it causes grace to abound. In other words, this, this reality that God is overco- an overcomer of everything that ails the human life. Well, is that a license to sin? Should we keep on sinning? Should we go on sinning? Paul uses some of the strongest language in all the Bible when he says, God forbid. The reason you have been cloaked isn't as a cover for the flesh and sin. It's so that you can come into his presence and he can enter you. That is the reason for it. But if there is ever an issue in your spiritual life where you follow the enemy's bait and you find yourself outside that cloak, what do you do? Bemoan the fact? Well, yeah, it does hurt. There is conviction in it. Put back on the cloak and come right back into the throne room of grace. Don't linger where the vomit is. Don't be that dog that keeps returning. God forbid. This is about Jesus Christ and his glory. Let's fight for it. He gave up his life. Let's show him that it's worth something to us by remaining in him and what he's done. So when you enter into baptism, you are entering into his death. You are saying all that you are is now going to be all that I am. And you enter into that water and you come back up and you are a new man. You are an empty vessel. It is no longer you that lives. But then what you do in that state is you enter the throne room of grace where the Spirit of God is. And then He comes and makes you His home. That is the process of birth, new birth. Baptism is merely a statement. We were talking about this on on Wednesday. Going underwater and coming back up means nothing. Hudson was asking me, so he, he swims at the pool and he goes underwater and comes back up. So has he been baptized? That's what he asked. And I said, no, it's actually a statement. It's a statement, and it's a very deliberate statement before witnesses and before the crowd of heaven to say, I identify with what Christ did, and I enter into the reality of it. I proclaim to the heavenlies, and I testify that this is my reality. And as I go under, I am entering into that reality. It will be my own. And as I come up, I am in Christ. And there is no voice that can stand against me. This is a reality within you. And to go underwater and come up isn't what accomplishes it. It's faith that accomplishes it. Jesus has already done the work. You just need to take it. Baptism in water is merely the declaration of what God has done. It's a declaration or pronouncement to the heavenly realms because for some reason, that's important. We don't fully understand how this battle works. But for some reason, when we as Christians confess our faith, and we confess before the, the, the crowd of witnesses. This is where we stand. There is power and strength that is given to the church. There is power and strength that is given to other believers to keep following this direction of truth. So I remember one of the students said, well, I was baptized when I was seven and water baptism. And I, but I don't necessarily feel like it meant anything to me. It wasn't what you just said. 
it was just sort of my parents having me baptized, sort of hey, cover, cover over you know, this guy, make sure that nothing bad happens to him. He's baptized, okay, and send off next. And so I think a lot of people felt that, but I didn't know that. I just said, here we are talking about being filled with Christ, but a lot of us, you know, maybe we have an issue, even at the most basic level, we've never entered into his death. And so at the end of some little segment of time we were in, I asked the question, I said, if there's anyone that feels that they need to make a public declaration of entering into the death of Christ and entering into Christ as a matter of statement and testimony before the heavenlies, I want you to feel free. I'm, I'm not a big fan of water, but we do have water right outside here. And I don't have any shorts and a t-shirt right now, but we'll find that and you know, figure out how to do this. I honestly expected either zero or maybe one or two. Okay, How many were you guys expecting? One or two? Five? Someone had big faith. Uh, 33. 33 students said, I need to make this declaration. It must be my own. Whatever declaration I've made, it was foggy, it was unclear, and as a result, they're not standing in fact in their life. And so it was a declaration of declarations. Everyone went out, stood in the water, and declared to the heavenlies what this meant to them as an individual and what it meant to the body of Christ. It was unbelievable. It was beautiful. It was triumphant. The next day, two more. It was a fantastic picture of heaven on earth. The next day, so that's just day one. That was Wednesday. Thursday, we came into our time of worship. I think every single one of us was trembling. We had no idea what God was doing in our midst. But the, last, the day before that, we, it was con- confession of sin and confession of faith at the most basic level. It's like, let's just deal with elementary school Christianity here. Okay, let's get back to the foundations. We're in Christ. We came in. The time of worship on, on Thursday morning has to be one of the most beautiful, amazing things I've ever witnessed. And after the time of worship, everyone was on their face. Not everyone, but standing. Everyone was definitely gripped. Some people were in agony, okay? This wasn't an easy process. There was weeping, there was pain, but it's like we were entering into something deeper. And worship just continued. I, I don't even I want to say it. Just, it just continued. I don't even know what, I, the, the day's a blur to me. It was an unbelievable testimony. We were begging God to be God in our life. God in his fullness in our life. No more of what we have experienced, which is constantly bucking against this wall in our life. We need this wall to be broken. We're going to take a step out and we need the Jordan to part. Dear God, do it. Because we have enemies in our land and they cannot remain. For the glory of Jesus Christ, they cannot remain. Sound familiar, guys? This is what we were wrestling with. There was an agony of soul, a wrestling, holding on as Jacob did to the man of God until the breaking of day. And student after student began to testify of the fact that peace, a radical peace was entering into their existence that they hadn't known before. That voice of accusation was suddenly cut off and it was no longer hounding them. There was a reality of the joy of God beginning to bubble up within them. Sure, it wasn't super conquering Christianity yet, but hey, when you're used to being under the thumb of sin and treating it as normal, then suddenly there was strength. It was beautiful. The day's a blur. I don't even know. Some of you might be able to fill in gaps that I'm not remembering. Friday, yesterday, 
on Friday morning when we met for prayer at 5.30 in the morning out here, there was serious battle beginning to ensue on students' lives. One of the principles that we have dealt with at Ellerslie is that when you've, we have three different dimensions. We have Egypt in the Old Testament. You have the picture of Egypt. The Israelites were there for 430 years enslaved to the Egyptians. God's people enslaved. Sound familiar? The blood of the lamb was put on the doorposts of the Israelite houses. There's a whole story before that. So if you know, you're wondering, oh boy, Eric, you just skipped a lot. Well, if I don't, we're never going to get to the end of it. The blood of the lamb, symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ, was put on the doorpost of every Israelite house. And they were set free because of that blood. The death, the condemnation, the destruction passed over. And they were delivered out of the land of Egypt from their enemies that had always held them in bondage. And they were delivered, strangely, into a wilderness. That doesn't seem very romantic and strong and powerful. But God made it clear, I have delivered you out of Egypt in order that I might take you in to the land of promise. But most of us as Christians have been delivered out of Egypt. Some of us haven't even had that. But we've been delivered out of Egypt and we're living a Christian life in wilderness. And you know what? It's sort of hard to go out and tell people about it because it's not that great. It's like, yeah, and come to Jesus. Why? Why are we saying that? So they can be in misery with us and we don't feel weird. But that isn't the testimony of a believer. The testimony of a believer is that God took me out of slavery. He brought me through the defeat of myself so I would no longer trust in me. He did the work to bring me into the land flowing with milk and honey. The place of abundant spiritual fruit. And so, in this process, God, when we take a step forward towards the promised land, you'll notice a difference between the wilderness and the promised land. Now, the promised land is extraordinary. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The land is lush. The wilderness isn't. But there's a benefit to the wilderness. There's no enemies in the wilderness. The enemy doesn't care about you in the wilderness. The enemy cares about you being enslaved. If you're not going to be enslaved, then he's hell-bent on making sure you don't end up in the land of promise. He wants you sequestered in the wilderness. Mediocrity, misery, defeat. He's not going to waste any of his resources to deal with you because you're going to kill yourself. You will die in the flesh. What he's concerned about is you progressing towards the promise because it diminishes the promise of God. Think about this. To the heavenlies, when you do not take what God told you to take. Who looks bad? God looks feeble. He was unable. Can't you just see the enemy? Oh, so much for your people coming into your promise they will come into his promise and the church of Jesus Christ triumphant will demonstrate that fact but the moment you take a step forward is the moment you begin to realize you have an enemy to your soul right on the border of the wilderness into the promised land is the Amalekites which in scripture we've made a great case for the fact that's symbolic of the flesh it's you, it's everything in you that rises up and says self protect protect your reputation, if God gets a hold of your life you don't know what he's going to do That's your first great battle. And God says, get that voice out. That flesh must be embalmed. Mortified is the term that Paul uses, which is to embalm. Give it no life. Your your flesh is your body. That's what it is. But your instincts, your sexuality, your appetite, there's different things that have always controlled you. And this can no longer have sway over you. Let God have his position. And he will take it. That's your first enemy. And then after that, 30 more empires. 
30, and they're full of giants and walled cities that reach up to the heavens. And it seems so utterly intimidating. Ask any of the students that have gone through this this week. They're strong. They've never seen such an impassable barrier. And God's saying, how big do you think I am? You think that is big. Have you ever seen the grand epic nature of Jesus Christ? Because he will decimate anything that the people of God are willing to stand up and crush under their feet. But you must believe that you have authority in Jesus Christ. That if he has said, this is the promise, you go in and take it. Whatever that promised land is, you must go after it in faith. To give glory to the one and only. To give glory to the almighty king. To give glory to Jesus Christ. So on Friday, we began to deal with specific battles. Because there was a whole host within our ranks that were strong. They had, the, the term in, in Christian history is they've come through. They got through that wall. Whatever that wall was, they're through it. They're standing on the other side going, what, what, what am I doing now? Where am I? This is weird. I'm not used to standing at this angle. The reason God gets you through is so that you can immediately go back and put your arm and pull others through. This is a battle for the people of God. And so many of us are on our own. On the, and there's a wall in front of us and we don't know how to get through it. And God is trying to awaken his church. He's stirring within his church to say, do you understand now how to get through? It's a wrestling match. It is a belief. You must be grounded on truth. And there is nothing that will stop the people of God from progressing towards that promise. There is no special circumstance. Most people in here, most of the students, the enemy appeals at the level of, well, you're special. Not in the sense that you're special to God, and he's like, oh, I love you, extra special. But you're special in the sense that you have been given and doled out a very unique problem. And it's a problem that the blood of Jesus can't really work with. And so you need to go to psychotherapy to deal with your issue. Everyone else can go to the cross. There is no special circumstance. It's sin that is our problem. And so when Jesus Christ addresses this issue, when we enter into his death, sin is dealt the blow. And it no longer has control over us. And we no longer need to subser be subservient to it. But now we can be subservient to God's plan. Known as the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We are slaves to righteousness instead of sin. So all Friday we prayed. And we prayed. And we prayed. <laughs> Till four in the morning we prayed. I got up at 4.45 the, the morning before. That's after getting to bed extremely late. 4.45 in the morning. And I tell you what, at four in the morning, I don't know how you guys, your bodies were feeling. In the name of Jesus. We are weak. But we know it doesn't matter how weak we are. The truth is still the truth. And it was. He proved it even in our weakness. I tell you what, talk about frailty. I mean, Eric, any questions about how weak you are? Come on, buddy. I mean, it was, it was something else. And I tell you what, it was amazing. And every single person here is still trembling knowing that we have only begun. Because God is not doing this in our midst just so that we would be able to feel all good and, you know, have a really good next, what is it, eight and a half weeks? Is that how much we have? Eight weeks? Seven weeks? Is it already down to seven? We've got four weeks? Eight weeks. Okay, eight. That's a good number. Uh, <laughs> we have eight weeks left. It's not just that we can coast through another eight weeks with a big smile on our face. It's that God is raising up a church. 
that can be rescuers, that can extend the hand of Jesus Christ and say, take it. I know you can't see this right now, but I see it. I see it and I know the power of Jesus Christ. And if you want, I'll help you. Remember we talked about the parakletos? It's the helper known as the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit. He is going, he's the one that is going to come. Jesus, when he goes to the Father, he will ask the Father to send forth the parakletos, the helper. You are not that helper. You are not the one who will deliver the people. You are not the one who will break their chains. You are the helper of the helper. You are the parakletos of the parakletos. That's Christianity. It's John the Baptist's position. John the Baptist wasn't the one that was going to save his people. He was the herald and the messenger. The one that could say, he's it. Don't look at me. He's it. What I'm doing is nothing. He's the one that can rescue you. This is merely baptism in water, but wait till you see what he can do. He can bring a baptism in fire. The very consuming presence of God enters the human life and burns away everything that doesn't belong. For the glory of Jesus Christ, he purifies the saints and the believers. Praise God. That was Friday night into Saturday morning. Today, Father's Day, a year ago, I was in the throes of a great battle. And the life of a little one known as Avonlea Rose was born. And I tell you what, this past year has been a year of agony and ecstasy. It's been a year of new birth. I mean, this, getting Ellerslie out of the birth canal was one intense job. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. You guys haven't even heard the story. On the, on the ba- banquet night, the students here, I was supposed to tell you the story. I never did. Uh, God had different plans for the banquet. But it has been an intense battle. And I feel like God is saying there is a newness a new life that is going to be born here. And it is precious. It's beautiful. I mean, you cannot, if you were to ask Eric, what are some of the most precious things on earth to you? Oh, I mean, Avonlea Rose. I mean, this little cute, you know, dimply-faced squishy bug. (laughs) She is so utterly precious. And to think that what God is giving is even more precious, it's himself. It's himself. And so when you think of the most precious things on earth, I want you to realize that what God is saying he's bringing and what he wants to give rise to and new birth to is so utterly precious and it's more precious than anything that you have ever known or realized. I wanted to allow a few students to testify. Now, here's my request of the students. I want you to be harnessed by the Spirit of God. And I don't want a single word coming out that isn't coming out of heaven. I don't want flesh. We don't want to see you. I want you to tremble when you come up here to realize that this is about Jesus Christ. And this is about no man. And so when you know that you're supposed to come up and speak, you know that you're supposed to come up and speak. But if you are itching, don't come up. If you're feeling compelled and you're rather uncomfortable about it, then consider it. I want you to tremble to realize that God is doing something and you are a herald of it. You are a messenger of it. Okay? Lord Jesus, I ask that you would direct this process, that you would give me wisdom. 
for what we're dealing with and how we can walk through this process. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the confession of faith and the testimony of believers today would strengthen the body of Christ and that you would continue this work, what has happened in us, that you begin to progress it into every other life here. In the name of Jesus, amen. I can normally speak really well and I'm trembling, so um, I know. Uh, God is amazing. And throughout the last four days in prayer, I've been able to say that I I have completely seen my God in a completely different light. Uh, Coming from a a background where I, I I put God in this box, the Lord has shown me that he is so mighty he is so big, he is so strong, and that there is nothing, there is not 31 hostile empires that will ever hold him back from gaining his bride. Um, coming here, I struggled with my past like you wouldn't believe. All the sins, all the things, and the uh, condemnation from the enemy was great. I testified to that Thursday morning, and everyone saw it as I was weeping. Uh, or Wednesday morning, rather. I was baptized, and it was... Amazing, The Lord literally took the past away. I weeped for 40 minutes straight, straight in front of men of God. And if you know, your pride is pretty much crushed at that point. You have nothing left. Um, and my brothers come around me and pray, and everything is emptied, and, and, and God is ripping out all this stuff. And Thursday morning I came in right here, desiring for God to fill me up with everything that he was, knowing that I had died to my old self and it was done, that there was no condemnation that was going to be had in my life anymore. I came right here on this floor and encountered God like I had never encountered him before, bawling my eyes out, praying that he would fill me with his Holy Spirit in everything, everything that it could possibly be. And this immense peace came about me. I mean, I can't even explain it bawling and bawling and crying out to God, holding on yet to things that I wanted in my life. And finally, at one point, I was just like, you can have it all. And I let him have complete control. And it's easy, because I used to say, God's got control of my life. No, he didn't. Because I still wanted things, and I still wanted to make my own path. And right here, I gave my life to the Lord completely. And the minute I opened my hand and said, you can have it all, and I trust you, I stopped crying. Now, you go from bawling to stopped in a matter of a second, something is this God. And this immense peace, and I'm shaking, and I speak all the time in front of people. It, and this immense peace, and this coolness came through me, and I just sat there. And I looked up, and I sat up, and there's a couple other people who are in the same thing, like... What, what's happening here? And then we went into prayer all day Friday. And to know that you're past that. I, the enemy has no voice in my mind at all. There is nothing. If you knew who I was before, you'd understand. Jesus Christ took it all. And the enemy has no foothold, no voice, no anything in my life. The last couple of days... I am strong and mighty for God because he is literally, his grace is living through me. And we prayed. And like Eric said, you're able to reach back across that Jordan and be like, let's go. 
and you see it and you're bold. And all I can say is praise God and that you need it. If you don't have it, you need it right now because there is nothing that will get in your way. Absolutely nothing. And you look at somebody who is sitting there in the wilderness lost and you're going, come on, this is ridiculous. Let's go now. And you, you have the faith. You understand. All Praise God. He is so big. And if you don't have it, you need it. And we will show you how to get it. We'll reach back across. talk about it. Was it Thursday that we did communion? I don't even remember (laughs) which day it was. Um, But we had communion and and we spent quite a bit of time before that in prayer and Eric really explaining and and not putting any pressure on anyone that um, what it really meant. And I've taken communion before plenty of times and um, knew the importance of it, but it was explained to me in such a different way. And um, at that moment, I think you use the analogy of marriage, which I'm not married. So um, you'd think that wouldn't necessarily always make a lot of sense. <laughs> but um, just that covenant with you make, that you make with that person, that you take on their name and you become theirs and they become yours and how beautiful that is and how Christ pursues us that way. And I can honestly say in the past few days that uh, Christ has pursued me in massive, beautiful ways that I've never experienced before. And it's been so cool. Um, but it was that covenant, making that covenant. I've been a Christian for 10 years. and um, But to sit down and really make that that promise and that swap. Like, Jesus, I accept what you did for me on the cross, and I'm giving you everything of me. And all the junk and any little fiber of my being that is still living for myself, take it. Because that place in my soul is taking place of where you need to be consuming, and you can't consume that till I give it to you. And uh, it's so freeing. And I know so many of my brothers and sisters uh, at Ellerslie have done that as well. And it's just this radiance. I mean, we came here knowing Christ and knowing that we wanted to live fully for him. So you would think there would always, it would already be there, and it was. But now within the group, it's this authority that we have, that we know we have in Christ, and we're finally willing to claim that. And we're fighting for the rest of us to have that complete freedom. And it's just been really beautiful. So God is really, really good. Um, at home, uh, which is Georgia, I used to... Uh, <laughs> I sought the Lord much like we have here. Um, for uh, since, since my new birth, really, the Lord has um, really uh, displayed grace um, on my life um, in many ways and uh, taught me much. But coming here, um, I was very, very, very uh, worried um, and I speculated a lot as to whether a true move of God would take place um, anywhere um, right now in, in this country. I, um, I didn't have much faith that the Lord could really raise up um, people or do a work of revival anywhere um, because of the deadness of the culture. And I know I'm sounding negative right now, but... Um, 
Since I got here, I have seen the Lord move so much in people who I would never expect the Lord to move through. And he's displaying his power in such a way that it can only be attributed to him, to a working of his spirit. There is no doubt in my mind that this is a true work of God. I've learned much about prayer. I've learned that there really is a battle. Um, I uh, have definitely grown in recognizing the enemy. The Lord has has taught me um, much about his schemes and how he works. And he's also taught me much about my flesh and how deceiving it can also be. When we were in prayer um, and when we were in confession and I was asking the Lord, Lord, show me if this is truly you. Show me if this is a work of you. And uh, I felt like it was, but I wanted evidence and got to around 3.30 in the morning. And, And I was like... You know, just praying to the Lord, Lord, I want to know that this is of you. And and uh, I hope I'm not lifting up the name of Eric Ludy when I say this. Um, but I looked over at Eric, and he had his hand on a student's shoulder. And his eyes were like this. He could barely open them. And, and I just looked at him, and I just started bawling because... Most ministries and churches, I've been a part of many churches and I've met many ministers, but none of them will labor in prayer over people's problems like I've seen here. And then I looked at the students and I saw the same thing on their faces, just weary and tired, still laboring in prayer. And it was just such a testimony to my heart of the working of the spirit and um and how he really is raising up a people he really is and i know this isn't the only place but he really is working here and um i wanted to testify to that and i wanted to testify about wanted to testify to the lord how grateful i am for his working and I want to also say that I see an even greater work coming, um, that as Eric was saying, this, is, this isn't the end. Um, the Lord has much more, and the Lord has much for this church also, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. I'd say before I came here, I had tasted of the promised land before, but I had, since I didn't see that many people living in that promised land, I thought... I must be kind of crazy, you know, so I went back to the wilderness. And when I came here and saw the reality, one thing that Eric said that I really think God used that to speak to me was he said, you prove the reality of the spiritual realm when you choose to follow Christ, when you choose to believe in that truth with everything in you. And it's totally biblical, but in the church, it's like, no, you're not really supposed to do it. You just have the idea of it in your head. 
that's just like not even biblical yet. We believe that lie and that's a lie of the enemy, you know? And I just thought like, wow, what I saw here, I have experienced before, but I shrunk back from it because I thought nobody else is really doing this. There must be something wrong with me. Um, it's been very encouraging to see the true body of Christ and just the reality of the spiritual realm that there really is an enemy. There really is a fight. But doesn't that prove that everything in the word of God is true, that everything that we're doing here is reality? And I just, I've been so, so blessed. It's like God, my fire was out. He put that fire back on me. And now I I really do feel like I have the strength to pull, to pull others out because it's, it's real. So. Katie. Um, glory to God. I, yesterday morning, I had a group and well, everyone pray over me. Um, I was battling with so many things, um, before I came here. And I tell you, I, everything that I was, that I had, I was going to different things to turn to, um, all these addictions that I was having. And, um, finally I got, set free from Christ to turn to him throughout every need I had. I, I was turning to him and um, each day or since yesterday, I found myself whenever I found like, or I heard like, you know, temptation to like, no, go back, go back. You know, I was like, no, no, no. And <laughs> it's those things where you just got to say no and keep going. And I mean, so far I've already felt like it's been like, 12 weeks here just going throughout this process in a day and it's just like <laughs> really amazing and um but yeah that's great a front row seat in seeing what happened with katie i think it was friday morning actually so it's it uh is uh, how many of you were in the room there was a few of you that were in that room about six of us i tell you what that was one of the most amazing things i've ever seen and the joy that filled this girl and the oppression that was upon her was off the charts. Uh, I was one of those 35 total, including the two on Thursday that were, um, that were baptized. And for me, it was truly identifying myself with Christ. You know, I was, I was the one who brought up water baptism too. So it's kind of my fault. (laughs) But um, the real freedom began on Saturday night with uh, Leroy, who was the first one to talk. And, um, and the amazing thing, the proof that this is God, is that there have been other intercessions outside of what you've done. So it's not Eric Ludy, It's Jesus Christ. And so last night I was talking to Leroy, and um, yeah, we were praying over stuff. And the big thing that hit me was that, was self-condemnation that I'd never really been free from my past. And so I felt unable to move into the future. And the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge is amazing. Truly, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and who walk after him, not after the flesh. Wow. Two more. I just have to share, but um, f- 
Friday morning before all the intercession started, I had, I just had a real attack and was just really down with Satan trying to get back at me of things that I had done in my past. And thanks to Eric having me open my eyes to it, I saw that it didn't have a hold on me. But all through that morning, I just feeling so empty. And hearing Eric's plan of what he wanted to do, I felt like I had nothing to give. But as soon as Katie stood up, because Katie was the first one, it was like God just said, you step out in faith, and I'll fill you with strength. So started with Katie, and I was in the room for every single one of those who was set free. And time after time, I saw God's power working. I saw his, his freedom and the power of his name all the way to 4 o'clock in the morning with Amy and just seeing God work time and time again in their lives and even in my life, just providing me with strength through the whole day. I mean, any student here can attest to it. I could not stop moving all day. <laughs> I mean, I'm even rocking back and forth here. It's like I just had so much energy in the power of God and the trust in his, just all of his power. And just then seeing the next day, um, Saturday morning, you know, the enemy was defeated. He was trying to get some holds on people again, trying to say, it's like, oh, I still got room there. And just seeing God's power just knock it flat completely. Um, and then when I went into some, some personal time with God and just reading his word and um, talking about going into the promised land, reading in Joshua, and just seeing how God said that, you know, you can stand, one person can stand up against a thousand men and take them all out. Why? Because it's God that fights for them. And just reading that and just being able to sit back and bask in the, the almighty power of God and seeing that I've seen it for real. God's power works. And it's just, oh, I just, it, words cannot contain it. And I just, something I'm going to treasure for the rest of my life, but not just treasure and hold but treasure and give out and keep pressing forward. So, um, I don't entirely know what to say because there's just so much that God's been doing, but I've seen God's just been making us all warriors in prayer for each other. And I've seen us going to battle. I've been part of it and it's been so awesome to be able to be a part of, um, of stomping out the enemy in each other's lives and, and being able to to come to my brothers and sisters and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? And that was so humbling because I hate doing that. <laughs> but um, I, was, I was also one of the ones Wednesday who got baptized. And I'd been baptized when I was 10, but I realized the other day I was just like, I didn't understand anything about what baptism really meant when I was 10. And... Um, on Wednesday morning, I was just, I was on my knees most of the time in the morning during worship and prayer and everything because I was, I just felt like there was this paper thin barrier between me and God. And it was, it was myself, it was my pride and everything, you know, within me that wanted to hesitate and pull back when God told me to do something. And even though the barrier was paper thin, I did not have the strength to break through it. And God just really was dealing with me. And that morning, I, I found a couple of people and asked them to pray for me. And then later, um, after I decided I need to get baptized again, um, I 
came up to a group of, a group of the guys and said, hey, can you pray for me? Because this barrier is still here, and I feel like God is going to break it down for me, but I just want you to stand with me. And so they did. And when I was baptized, I, I was standing in the water right before, and I testified that this was me dying to myself and to everything that, w- that was trying to hold me back. And when I came up out of that water, the barrier was gone. And so, and ever since then, I've, I mean, you guys, you guys know I've been running around hugging everybody. Because <laughs> I just got this, I don't know, somebody told me I'm gifted in hugging. <laughs> and so then I'm just, um, I'm just ready to go fight for all my brothers and sisters and bring them to the fullness of what God has for them. And just seeing that happen the past few days, staying up till four the other the other morning praying for people, and then I did, I couldn't go to sleep after that. I was just too pumped. <laughs> and so um, God's just been doing amazing things, but it's still just the beginning of what He's going to do. Well, I was one of those that they had prayed for yet on yesterday and Friday. Um, if you knew me, you would know that just the fact that I'm standing here speaking is the power of God. <laughs> um, for for some time, I had felt that God wanted me to go deeper, and he had promised me a, a fuller measure of his Holy Spirit. And I just felt a blocking. I felt a numbness, and I couldn't move forward in my walk with God. Um and even that morning with the, the time of, of beautiful worship and other, others being filled with the Holy Spirit, I still fought a heaviness and I didn't feel um, that the freedom that others had felt and the peace. And I was, I was fighting, wrestling with that all day, even through praying for other people. And I wasn't sure if it was um, something wrong with me or not, not trusting God. Um, it's also Satan was bringing uh, lies, um, telling me that things that I know um, I had dealt with in the past and um, were coming back up. And so I, I had, so I had um, Eric and others pray for me, um, and just to to recognize the lies that the enemy brings brings um, brings into your mind, you don't even recognize them. And um, the power of just speaking against those lies, speaking against, um, against fear, against confusion, against doubt, just not, not allowing those not allowing the enemy to bring those things against me because the blood of Jesus Christ has covered all my sins. I am free, free from all sin that is that I've done in the past. And I'm just saying it out loud, not allowing, not allowing Satan to can bring condemnation. Is the, um, Jesus set us free and we walk in that freedom. And... As they prayed, and as I I proclaimed truth, and as they prayed for me, I felt a a release, a peace upon me. This release from all voices of condemnation and doubt. So 
Lord, just brought a great peace. I'm free to free to worship Him. I'd like to show a video. Not don't start it just yet, but uh, this is a video that Annie put together of Wednesday, uh, June sixteenth, two thousand ten. Is it already going here? Uh, And this is, she made this for the students as a testimony or you could say as a memorial. Uh, And so students, this will be available to you. But uh, as a memorial of what God has done, but also what he is doing. And uh, I want you to realize that, you know, the statement of baptism, for instance, and water itself. You know, people get all caught up in sprinkling and immersion, all this ridiculousness. It is about Jesus. The focus must be on Jesus Christ. He is the one that baptizes. He is the one. It's his life that you enter into and you die in him and you live in him. To declare that, to acknowledge this in your life is a critical dimension. There are some of you in here that don't know this in reality. You know it in theory. And your feelings don't necessarily testify to the fact that you're dead in Christ Jesus. And so you're waiting for your feelings to align themselves. I'll give you the secret to stepping forward. Don't look to your feelings or your experience to go after Jesus Christ. He is rock. He is truth. He is he is promised and he has spoken. He has revealed what he has accomplished and we must reckon it. We must take it. And how do we take it? We take it in faith. We say, you know what? I see it. I take it and you appropriate it into your life. That is how the kingdom of heaven works. There's currency to go and take what Christ has purchased on the cross, and that currency is faith. And so some of you have this little teeny penny of it. And you know how you got it? From God. Because there are people that don't have the penny. They cannot see for the life of them what we're talking about. But they're in you, you're saying, I don't feel like I have what, I, what it takes because my feelings and my emotions and all this is invalidating it. But you can see. There is something that is even bringing you here today. And so reach out and grab what God has done and reckon it is true in your life. And enter into his death to realize that he died. And when he died, you died in him. And that old man, known as you, that has been such a problem for you. You, you're the problem. You're the rebel against God's agenda. Cannot stand against his purposes in your life moving forward. Students, something great has happened. The enemy, God, remember we've said, the word of God is our template here. All we care about is what it says. If it contradicts in the word of God anything that we're going through, the experience doesn't validate truth. God validates truth. And so anything that we're doing is measured against the word of God. This experience has been orderly. It has been God glorifying. It is about Jesus Christ. The flesh has had a very difficult time vocalizing itself in our midst, but it's going to try. The enemy always has a response. And he has a response at the individual level and he has a response at the corporate level. Okay? And I want us to be on guard and be very aware. Don't rest. Don't set down a sword. I want you to recognize that you are entering hostile territory here. You are progressing towards the promised land of God. The entire promise. What he has promised in his word, what he purchased on the cross, you're going after. And when you're going after that, you realize that all hell is stationed to resist The enemy does not use his precious resources, which, by the way, as a reminder, is only one-third 
of all the resources of the angelic realm. So God has double the resources in the angelic host. So the enemy has limited resources. He is not going to waste them on wilderness dwellers. He is going to spend his best and his brightest and his brawniest on those that have the audacity to stand in the name of Jesus Christ and progress the agenda of God on earth. So, that's you. And we, the reason we are testifying of this today isn't so that we could feel good about ourselves. We have Monday. We'll be talking about this tomorrow. In other words, we're going forward. The reason we're doing it today is for the body of Christ. Because you are a part of this. This isn't just our God. This is your God. And what is happening here is something to be shared. It's like having an inheritance come in and you're just so overwhelmed by it that you feel like you just need to give. It's an inheritance of Jesus Christ. And all we want to do is give. In fact, if this is going to work within us, we must be conduits of it. It comes in, we immediately give it out. That's how it works. If we, if we hold on to it, it corrupts. It, 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 it perverts. It becomes something about us instead of something about Jesus. So what we're going to do next week, and I'm going to show the video right after this, is we're going to have a church picnic uh, never done one of those uh, here at the Church of Dallas. This is our first church picnic because I want us to spend time with each other. We have, it's not the easiest room to mingle in. And so you end up with your clump. Wherever you sit, that's sort of your clump. And if you sit in the same spot, you're getting sort of the same clump every week. Nothing wrong with that clump. But I want the students to get to know you. I want you to get to know the students. I want us to get to know these little kids. The precious little kids in here, I want us as a church to make them our priority. I want every Ellerslie student, by the way, to know every kid's name. I want you to take it as your challenge to bless these children to wash their feet. Because if we're going to build the, the, the kingdom of God on earth, we learn to value what God values as the priority in our, mix, in our midst. Children, the weak, the feeble, anyone who comes in here that is in need, I want there to be a church that has strength to respond. So many of us in churches, we're just like, we're all weak. And so we're like, can someone help me first? But what if the church becomes strong? And then someone that is weak comes in. Well, we've seen what happens, haven't we? On Friday, what did we see? The entire school, that's 55 plus. I don't know how many people were involved. 65 people about on Friday. Every single one of them praying when, when a group of six was praying for an individual. The rest of them were out praying. Unbelievable. All the way through until four in the morning. It wasn't like, okay, you take your shift of sleep, you do this. Everyone was like, we're all in. No one left behind. That's still our mantra, by the way, because there are still people in our group that need to be fought for. We need to press all the way. And by the way, once Jericho falls in the land of promise, you don't just start, you go, okay, well, wonderful. We'll just camp here for the rest of our life. There's no tent pitching in the kingdom of heaven. You progress and you purge all 31 empires. And then, once all empires are purged, you don't go, all right, now, now then, let's uh, get cozy in the land of Israel. He says, put it on wheels and take it into all the world. So what God is doing is ever progressing. The church of Jesus Christ triumphant is always outward. It is never inward. So if you want to test what is going on, is this work turning outward? If it is, well, that's a good sign. That's a good measurement. If it's turning inward and it's causing us to say, you know, we have something here and they don't have it. They don't want it. You know, this is ours. You know, people don't want Jesus Christ today, but we have them. Uh-oh, we got some decay going on here. 
Because that isn't the attitude of a believer. The attitude of a believer is, dear Lord Jesus, may everyone taste of you. Why? Not so that we feel good, so that Jesus Christ is seen clearly. This is about his glory. The greatest pleasure a Christian ever has is that God receives glory. The glory that is due his name. That he is getting his praise. He is getting the worship that is due him. It isn't so that we feel good and we get our back scratched. God takes care of us as ministers. What you're all witnessing is the formation of ministers. A minister is one born for the glory of God. He's one that is so moved to say, Lord Jesus, this must be given. How do people end up going into ministry? It's because something has changed within them to say, someone needs to hear this. Other people are like me. Other people are caged. Other people have been told this all their life. Someone must stand for them. Someone must. And you are a bearer of the answer. That's what ministry is. Let's pray and then let's watch the video. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would invite this church into your presence at a deeper level. Lord Jesus, that you would give to them everything that is needed. Lord, that you would press upon their souls. And if there's a need to confess and to bring things into the light, that you would show them how to walk through this, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would bring them to confession of faith. And that you would clothe them in your righteousness and bring them into the Holy of Holies where you can enter in and take over their existence at an entirely new level. You want what you purchased on that cross. You want your possession, Lord Jesus. It is your desire and for your glory we will fight to see you get what is rightfully yours. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message by Pastor Eric Ludy, pastor at the Church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Please feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission. If you have any questions, comments, or just need more information about Ellerslie, please visit our website at www.ellerslie.com. Again, that website is www.ellerslie.com. For Ellerslie Mission Society, this is Ben Zorns, cheering you on as Christ cultivates His set-apart life within you.